everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. We are excited to have dermatologist Dr. Sophie Greenberg on our show today to talk all about skin cancer, how to spot it, prevent it, and more. Dr. Greenberg is a Princeton and Columbia trained dermatologist. She practices both medical and cosmetic dermatology in Manhattan, and I have been to her. I'm a patient of Dr. Greenberg, (laughs) and we hope you enjoy this important and informative conversation. I had a spot that I wanted to investigate, and this is where all of this came about, because then we wanted to raise awareness of how to spot skin cancer, what is skin cancer, all the things. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that we met and that we're able to do this together. Same. So let's start off by a really important thing of what does skin cancer look like? And I know that you sent two phenomenal articles and I'm going to include that and the photos in. We'll have a blog post that can house all of this information and also in the show notes of the podcast. Excellent. Yes, I think the visuals are really helpful. But the bottom line is that skin cancer can present in so many different ways. Not only is this because there are different types of skin cancer, but each type may look different on different individuals based on their skin tone or which body part is involved. One thing that's key is it will look a lot different than any other non-cancerous growths and moles on your body. The less deadly cancers are called basal cell and squamous cell. These are more common and may even present as a sore that doesn't heal over weeks to months or a spot on the face that keeps bleeding every time a person is shaving. Those things. Wow. I know it. That, that's very helpful. It is yeah, because it, it can be heal. so frightening to have this spot, and then you're wondering, is this cancerous? Is this a freckle? Or you may not even know to be concerned about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It can be so hard to distinguish. Even as a dermatologist, sometimes we do just have to do a biopsy to be 100% sure, where a pathologist looks under the microscope to determine. Is it true that people with more fair skin are more uh, prone to skin cancer, or is that a myth? That is true. Being more fair skin, especially people who have red hair or blue eyes, have been shown to have higher risk of skin cancer. And they should come in once or twice a year to get a full body scan, or is that something everybody should do? That's a good question. So definitely I recommend everybody should go in at least once to get a full body skin check and then talk to your dermatologist. If you have a higher risk, sometimes even more than once a year, Generally, once a year is recommended, but for some people, it might be even less frequently than that. Yeah, I've never even had one, and I'm 60. It's probably time for me to get one. It is, for sure. How can we tell? Is there any way to tell the difference between skin cancer and a freckle or a mole? So I think maybe you just answered that with if it's a wound that doesn't seem to heal or if it looks different than the other spots on your body, do they, I think I read somewhere where maybe they have an uneven edge or is that, is it really exactly all kinds, like you said, all kinds of things. I usually go over with my patients, what's called the ABCDEs of melanoma, which is a guide for people to do at home. So A stands for asymmetry, a spot that's different on both sides. 
these border that's irregular, so you can't tell clearly where the mole starts and where it stops. C is color, a different color than your other moles or has multiple colors within it, like brown and black and pink and gray. D, diameter bigger than a pencil eraser. And E, evolution or change over time. I think a lot of people, I've had some, I think they're called keratasis or something like that, sort of bumpy raised places on your body that you can get frozen off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I could see how yeah. somebody when they got one might think that was skin cancer because they're unusual feeling and looking. Yes, the seborrheic keratosis tends to be raised, a little scaly. They can be different colors. That's one that usually the dermatologist can help you distinguish because they can be a little scary looking. The sunscreen really prevent skin cancer? And if so, well, including that, what are some other ways, too, that we can prevent skin cancer? Yes, so it's a good question. So there are multiple studies showing that regular and appropriate use of sunscreen does prevent skin cancer, both the common ones like basal cell and melanomas. Now, it's tough and not everybody uses it as it's supposed to be, which is enough and frequently. So it's about half a teaspoon for your face and neck and a shot glass amount if you're putting it on your entire body with reapplications every two hours or every hour when you're swimming or sweating. Now, not all of us are reapplying sunscreen when we're out and about or going to work. So I see sunscreen as one step, but also wearing a hat, covering up with UV protective clothing, and even planning your activities like not in the peak hours of the sun, so early morning and late afternoon. Okay. I think it's so interesting because we've tried a couple of different sunscreens lately, and on the box now, they all say the same thing, which is exactly what you just said. Is that a new requirement maybe by the It might be, and I think I see a lot of people putting just a little bit on their arm and calling it a day and then getting a severe burn and saying, well, I put sunscreen on, but you really have to do it the right way, which can be messy and annoying when you're trying to enjoy your summer. Well, and also, I'm so glad you said, I think you said a little bit less than a teaspoon maybe for your neck. Yes, half a teaspoon. I thought it was like a tablespoon, and I was thinking, I can never do that. And then <laughs> make up, you know, and go about my day, a work day. That's so much to put on your face. So I'm thrilled to know that it's more like a teaspoon. Okay, so when I came to you, you said, did you grow up, were you exposed to a lot of sun when you were growing up? And that was really sad to <laughs> hear because now I'm thinking all, all of the damage that I did way long ago now it's showing up is that how it works yeah unfortunately our skin does remember past sun damage so five sunburns or just one blistering sunburn in childhood doubles your chance of developing melanoma later in life so it's thought that intense uv radiation when you're a child changes the dna in your cells But ongoing sun exposure, even when you're an adult, whether you burn or not, is linked with other skin cancers like the basal cells and the squamous cells that are more common and less deadly. 
So it does help to continue protecting yourself from the sun. But I always like to ask my patients and I include their sun exposure history in my charts because it helps me understand their risk of the different types of skin cancer alongside their family history. Yeah, that's great. And one thing to know about Delia, I don't know what you thought when you looked at her skin, but even as a child, she put sunscreen all over her body. So she's really only had a couple of burns. And, and they get burned always. I, I mean, think it's you're very easy that to differently. burn. Sometimes back, like back on your shoulders, maybe on the back of your legs and things like that. But Well, sometimes you really try hard and then it just doesn't yeah. work. I don't know. Sometimes you get burned anyway. But people, like- you have to, you have to enjoy your summer, but your skin is beautiful. And I didn't see a lot of sun damage. So I love hearing from mom that you were careful about sunscreen. Yep. She's a good student. When someone tells you <laughs> like that, she will do it. But then you have people, you know, my age who we had no clue. So not only did we stay oh. in the sun, we literally, you know, took a double album, which Young people probably don't even know what that is. An album that opens up like a book. Lined it with tin foil, you know, put it under our chin and... With Van de Soleil. Oh, I love Van de Soleil. With just no sunscreen, (laughs) just like oil. Please give me (laughs) 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 We were tan, but now we know. So there are, I guess, lasers and things like that that can help with some of that damage, I think. Yeah, there are a few ways that can help. So one, actually there's a vitamin called nicotinamide. That's a form of vitamin B3 that has many studies consistently showing that it prevents basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma. And there are treatments for the precancerous lesions that are called actinic keratosis that can be frozen with liquid nitrogen or using a topical chemotherapy, or even, like you said, more cosmetic procedures like chemical peels or fractionated laser. Oh, my goodness. What was the second thing you said? Um, I got the nicotinamide, but then you said something else. But that would be more if you had been diagnosed with skin cancer. That's a topical treatment? Yes. So nicotinamide, the form of vitamin B3, is an oral supplement And then if you have a diagnosis of precancerous lesions, freezing with liquid nitrogen. Oh, so do you think we should all be having this vitamin B3? It's tough because there are so many great vitamins out there. Um, So I think if you are at higher risk, if you have a history of skin cancer, or if you know that you've had a lot of sun exposure and a lot of people in your family with skin cancer, it's a very safe vitamin that doesn't have side effects. So I think it's a great thing for those types of people to take. Oh my goodness. And does it, can you, does it reverse the damage? If you continue to take it, you get fewer skin cancers, but when it's stopped, your risk goes back to where it was before you took it. Okay. All right, great. Any summer skin tips that you'd like to share? So I think like we talked about before, I'd like to emphasize that sunscreen is just one tool of many to protect your skin from the sun. I love the EPA UV index app, which gives you an hourly forecast based on your zip code to help you plan when it's safest to go on a run or have a picnic. 
And you'll often catch me in UV protective clothing, like a long sleeve shirt from brands that test their fabric to assure that they're UV protective because a regular t-shirt can have a rating of SPF five to 10, but these fabrics have a tighter weave, but are still very lightweight and can protect to up to 50 to a hundred. Wow. That's wonderful. And I had no idea about that app. That's great. And it's a great app and it's free from Apple. That's wonderful. Like what you said, when people go for a run, that that's one time too, that they're probably not thinking, oh, I need to put on my sunscreen before I go for a run. Some people do, but especially, you know, which is if it's a cloudy day, which is really leading into the next question, unless you want to, do you have any favorite UV protective clothing brands? I do. Three of my favorites are Solumbra, Solbari, and Cabana Life, which is actually a brand that was founded by two women, one of whom is a melanoma survivor. What's the difference in wearing sunscreen on a sunny versus a cloudy day, as well as in the winter versus the summer? Do we really need to wear it year round every single day? It's a good question. So I think daily sunscreen on your face, your ears, your neck, and in the summer, the backs of your hands is recommended regardless of the weather. If you check the UV index on that app, you'll see it might be high even on a cloudy day. And the reason you might not burn is that UVB rays are more related to sunburns, but on a cloudy day, there's still tons of UVA rays, which cause sun damage, including contributing to skin cancer and premature aging without even getting a sunburn. Wow. And can you use the same product for both UVB and UVA? As long as your sunscreen says broad spectrum, it's good. The SPF rating is specifically for UVB rays. Okay. But UVA rating, if it says broad spectrum, it has UVA protection. It just seems like living life. I mean, you can't avoid anything. We sit at our computers all day, so we're getting exposed to this blue Mm -hmm. light. So do you want to talk about how horrible that is for our skin? (laughs) (laughs) So blue light luckily doesn't contribute to skin cancer. It can be um, contributing to pigmentation, such as melasma. Um, And the sunscreens that protect against blue light generally have iron oxide, which is that pigment that is in a lot of concealers or foundations. Hmm. Oh my goodness. That's interesting. Yeah. And like you said, we can't run our lives completely around sun protection as much as possible. We can try, but of course we all need to enjoy the summer. And sometimes you just want to go have that picnic with friends or go for a run in the middle of the day. Just try not to make it a regular habit. That's good advice. Don't get too stressed. But I have one of those powder form sunscreens. So sometimes if you're on a bus or a train or in a car, you're the passenger seat, you're driving, all of a sudden you feel the sun on your face and you're like, oh, no. You know, it's just glaring, right, beating down on me. So um, do you think that is a good plan that I've incorporated? Yeah. Yes, I think the powders, which usually come with a brush attached to make it easy, 
are really good for reapplying, just not as your primary sunscreen. Okay. I know it's just so hard to completely reverse. I feel like growing up, it was so much about you need the sun. You, it's that really important vitamin D. And then also the ideals, a lot of the ideals of beauty are this tan skin. Right. So now we have to completely reverse mm-hmm. our thought process to say, no, all you have to do is have a vitamin D supplement and you should really stay out of the sun as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah, there are studies showing that vitamin D is exactly the same whether you get it through the sun or orally. And the American Academy of Dermatology recommends oral supplementation because we don't want to add to more sun damage. But what about that thing that's sad, that seasonal affective disorder? Does the sun make you happy or a vitamin D supplement can do that? So vitamin D supplement is good. And then there are lamps with bright white and blue light that can help boost mood. So it doesn't necessarily have to be from the sun. But a lot of us get a little bit more down in the winter when the daylight hours are so short. Yeah. So do those lamps not cause problems? They can have some blue light, which can contribute to melasma, but they generally don't have UV light. Oh, and then mom has this LED mask that she uses on her face. Is that harmful? Those are actually really wonderful. And we offer the clinical grade in our practice. They, the red light helps with inflammation, including acne or dermatitis. It's shown to build collagen so it can help with anti-aging. So they actually do work and they can be helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about self-exam for skin cancer detection because, of course, I came in and thought you were going to, I don't know, not cut me all up, but do <laughs> biopsy because when you look online at the images and things, I feel like I have little freckles that look exactly like that. Yeah, so self-exams, I think it's good to make it a point once a season to look over your skin. And if you have some moles that your dermatologist wants to keep track of, you can take a picture with them. Sometimes I do that in the office with my patients on their cell phones so that they can compare. And when you're doing a self-exam, look at your face, neck, front of your body, palms. Don't forget to check your feet. And to look at your back, you can use a handheld mirror to look in a full-length mirror. Although even with that, it can be difficult to see close up everything on your back. So if you have a friend or a partner, they can help you with the back and you can help them with theirs. So you said palms, you can get skin cancer on your palms. Yes. So skin cancer can develop even in areas that don't get sun exposure. And there's a type of melanoma called acral melanoma that's on the palms, soles, even genital area that's thought to be less sun-related, and more of a genetic predisposition. And that can be even more deadly in people who have darker skin types. They tend to be found a little bit later on because people aren't necessarily checking and they can progress very rapidly. Oh, so much danger lurking everywhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh my goodness, just that- no, but we can't get too worried. Right, exactly. <laughs> like you said, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
sometimes patients tell me they were at the beach and under an umbrella, but sometimes like clothing umbrellas can be thin and let a lot of UV damage through. Um, so you can even find umbrellas that are made from high quality UV protective fabrics if you're frequently utilizing an umbrella. That is wonderful, wonderful advice because until this moment, I always thought when you were under an umbrella, that was, you know, you were fine. You were safe. So that is another way that we could be sabotaging ourselves that we didn't even know. (laughs) Thanks for telling us that. I know that's really important. Okay, so does skin cancer have other symptoms we should be on the lookout for? So, for example, when I was researching this, people talked about like an itch between their toes. So generally, they're not painful or itchy. I've had some patients rarely that an itch alerted them to a skin cancer, but it's not a common symptom. The only thing sometimes a spot might bleed or not heal, but that's pretty much it for symptoms. Okay. Does sunscreen expire? Yes, and the expiration date should be written on the bottle, but it can also go bad if you leave it in a hot car or out in the sun for too long. A lot of things we could be, you could be slathering yourself with sunscreen and not know it wasn't doing any good. So that's, so check the expiration date and make sure you don't keep it like by a window or out in the sun if you're out at the beach. Right. And is it like a one season it will last or? Usually one season because it is out a lot when you're taking it with you. If it starts to separate, like the oil or the water separates, then it's probably not good anymore. Great tip. Okay. And then we talked about your favorite sun protective clothing brands. Do you have any favorite sunscreens? Do you prefer mineral or chemical? All these different kinds. It can be very overwhelming. There are so many ones. I would say the best sunscreen for you is the one that you love and you are consistent with using. For me, I prefer mineral sunscreen. I find it to be a little bit less irritating and a little bit more effective. Two of my favorite brands are Isden, which is from Spain, and a brand called Tizo, which specializes in mineral sunscreens and has both tinted and untinted versions, even a mineral primer that has a nice matte finish for putting underneath makeup and evening out your skin tone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to get those names of the brands because I might have spelled them wrong, but we will make sure to include a shoppable selection of all these fabulous brands Mm -hmm. that Dr. Greenberg is telling us about. Absolutely. What are some things that as a dermatologist you would never do? I think the number one is I would never do a tanning bed. There's enough UV to be dodged in real life. So why expose yourself to high levels of something that we know causes skin cancer? How do you feel about uh, spray tans? Spray tans are totally fine. They're safe. It doesn't protect you against sunburns. um, But if you want that tan look, it's safe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, Dr. Greenberg, what is next for you? It's a good question. So for me, I just plan to continue to help my patients in my practice and keep up to date on the latest research and technologies. 
so I can keep my patients healthy and feeling good and looking good. Oh, well, tell us about the latest research and technologies. What are you excited about? Yeah, it's a good question. So one of the latest technologies and research that I'm excited about is understanding how our immune system helps our skin. When I went to the American Academy of Dermatology Research meeting, there was a lot of new, exciting products, technologies, both in the cosmetic and medical dermatology realm related to our immune system and our general health, including our state of underlying inflammation. Fascinating. That gets back to like the foods we eat and, and our lifestyle and things like that. Exactly. I think the foods we eat, how much stress we have, how we manage our stress can all impact our skin. And I think a lot of the new treatments and research are going in that direction, both for beauty and for our overall health. Oh, that's good. Mom is obsessed with this new vitality direction. No, that's called longevity. Longevity. Well, the main thing is what you're talking about, like realizing that all of us are living in such a state of stress that we don't even recognize that we're all living on high alert. And so I recently put... I mean, it, you know, gives you stomach issues and everything else. So I have little post-its around my apartment that say, no stress allowed because it affects everything. And now you're telling us even our, our skin health and, you know. For sure the yeah, skin health. Right. So Absolutely. And changing our mindset is extremely powerful. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, it's just we've been through such stressful times in the past couple of years and then right. – just these different things continue to happen. No so it's hard to just be calm unless I guess you're a type B person, which we are not. <laughs> so <laughs> you're always a little bit, and also we're entrepreneurs, so we're always a little <laughs> underlying stress. And then you go out into the world and you hear these things on the news and you're like mm-hmm. on high alert of be aware of your surroundings. You know, so it's just, <laughs> it's not just this calm environment walking around, just la di da. Yes, and I have one more question for you sort of related to that. I recently had surgery, and afterwards, you know, a month later, I realized, like, my skin was super dry, my hair was super dry, and my skin tone was uh, less, you know, glowy or whatever. So things like the surgery, something like that, like a major sort of trauma that your body goes through, does that affect your your skin well you also stopped taking your hormones oh yeah i had to do that so she had a hysterectomy yes absolutely even just the surgery regardless of hormones can have a huge impact on your skin sometimes i see hair loss three months after major stress on the body kind of like we think about with postpartum Uh right sometimes i see flares of underlying skin issues like eczema or seborrheic dermatitis, which is the medical word for dandruff, all of these things can be impacted by a major stress on your body while it's healing. That's so fascinating because three months later, or even for me, six weeks later, whatever, it took, you know, it was just a thought, maybe this has something to do with that, but that was six weeks ago. So, um, you know, if it's three months later until someone comes to you, they might not have realized that you could still be affected by something three months later. Exactly. There can certainly be a delay. So I usually try to ask questions of things that people might not think are relevant. Right. 
All right, well, this has just been chock full of very serious and exciting information. Yeah. I'm so glad. True, Dr. Greenberg, thank you. Thank you so much. One more question, too. Where can people find you? Oh, you can find me in person in New York City at Tribeca Skin Center or on Instagram at Sophie Greenberg MD. Yes, and she has great educational content about all of this as well. And you do it in such a fun way that people can understand. It's not so scientific that people have no idea what you're saying. Thank you. I try to keep it light and relevant. Yes, and you also have a website. I do, sophiegreenbergmd.com. Okay, well, everybody, we encourage you to be very diligent about looking at your skin and also using sunscreen, staying in the shade, all of these things. We're going to reverse our thought process and completely and change. And our aging. And our aging. <laughs> and our aging. Oh, well, thank you so much. And everybody, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.